0: Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and then about whatever else we want, right? I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book that began this conversation and you can pick that up over on my website, jeanfaulkner.com or on Amazon or at your local bookstore or at target.com, wherever you get your books. I am a registered nurse and I worked in the labor and delivery trenches for about 20 years. I am the mother of many and I wear a whole lot of other hats. I'm sort of at that stage of life where I have enough age and perspective that I can look back over my shoulder and see how all the stepping stones were so perfectly and naturally laid out for me, even though I sure couldn't see them ahead of me at the time. I guess that's sort of what this podcast is about, sort of sharing the perspective of people who are connected with this big topic of ours pregnancy, parenting, politics, feminism, healthcare. Most of all, the big job of raising the next generation while living our lives in this really weird and wonderful world we live in. So, last week we listened to a great conversation with one of my favorite people in the world, Jenny Joseph. Um, this midwife is doing inspiring work and it needs to be brought to scale to meet women's needs all over the United States. Go back and give that a listen if you haven't already. Now I've been teasing a bit that I have some new stuff coming your way and I do new stuff we've been working on over here at Common Sense Pregnancy and we're really excited about it. And I'm still just teasing. Next week, I'll be ready to share everything we're working on, but this week, not yet. Oh, there's so much going on in the world right now, right? There is a lot of tragedy and violence. Oh my God, what happened in Sri Sri Lanka? There is just so much, so much cynicism and frustration and anger and confusion over the Mueller report too. so much gridlock in Congress. And sometimes I swear it's hard to see past all this nonsense and grief, but try, will you? Stay focused on the other stuff happening around you and make a point of noticing the good stuff, even while you're staying present with the current events that you, you know, that involve your life. Stay present to what's happening around you in your real life too, because that's what's really happening to you in your life. That's where your mind should live most of the time, especially if you're pregnant or parenting. Not on the what ifs could happens and all the potential fears we can get so easily hooked into. Try to focus on the stuff that is. It's almost always better than we think. Oh, let's see, current events. Man, oh man, we are looking at another presidential season gearing up big time. And I swear, I don't know if it's just me getting older or what, but I thought we just finished talking about 2016, didn't we? Anyway, we're seeing a slew of candidates declaring their run for the Democratic presidential race. A whole lot of folks are, come, are running this, and this week seems to me that the ones that are getting the most media coverage are the guys, Bernie, Biden, and Buttigieg. But the gals, Harris, Gillibrand, Gabbard, Williamson, Klobuchar, and Warren, they're doing just as many campaign stops and events they're just not misbehaving or making such big waves, so they're not getting the big media uh, attention. Though Elizabeth Warren, she made a huge statement this week about funding, wanting to fund free public college and provide massive student loan forgiveness. And I was really grateful that the media gave her you know, the coverage that she so richly deserves. I think that that is something that really uh, resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. All the candidates have valuable things to say at this point, but it's also true that most of us aren't going to get to hear about their platform and talking points if we only focus on what makes it through social media and, you know, the front page or, you know, the, the top of the hour if you're watching the news on TV, because they might only make it on the news, these candidates, if they do something really provocative or naughty. I'm going to encourage you to search out information about other candidates um, other than the ones who are just on the front page. Now, of course, I totally hope that our next candidate for president is a woman because I want real change real fast. And I think that's our best hope for the future. But I want you to start doing your homework on which candidates you think represent your concerns, your interests, your values, your family's needs. You know, who's the best for you? So far, I'm really liking Harris and Warren, but it's really early days still. The primary isn't for, you know, another year. Who knows what, who else might throw their hat into the ring by then. Just don't take what you see on the front page as to be the whole story. You're going to have to go looking for the information you need to make the best choices. And then once you've found your candidate... Volunteer, donate, do your part to help us survive the rest of 2019 and turn this thing around in 2020. Okay, so much for politics this week. This week, we have something to talk about that's both dark and hopeful. We're going to talk about the side of parenting that's present in so many people who have lived with trauma, abuse, and mental health issues. I don't know, maybe it's not coincidental, but I just finished reading Eleanor Oliphant is Just Fine. Excellent book. And it covers some of the same topics, um, but in a refreshingly upbeat way while also being very, very revealing. It was funny, but it didn't diminish the reality of the character's trauma or the topic matter at all. It was just wonderfully covered. So that's what we're going to talk about today childhood trauma and its impact, not just on children but also on mothers, mothering, motherhood, and families. First, we're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to come on back and talk with this week's guest. Okay, we're back and ready to talk with this week's guest Anna Joannis is a documentary filmmaker and producer of the film Wrestling Ghosts. Her previous works include Generation Meds, an exploration of our fears and misgivings about mental illness and medication, and Fresh, which celebrates the farmers, thinkers, and entrepreneurs who are reinventing our food system. Anna is a lawyer. She founded Real Youth Incorporated, a video production program for youth are coming out of detention and other underserved youth. She's also the mother of three children. Let's get Anna on the line. Hi Anna, it's Jeannie.
1: Hi Jeannie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here with you today.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to have you on the show. So um Anna, where are you? Where am I speaking to you? I'm in Portland. I'm in
1: Portland. Um, I'm in Beacon, New York.
0: So, where in the state would that be? Obviously, in relation to Manhattan.
1: <laughs> yes, right, right, the city. Um, yeah, I still call it the city, like it's the only city in the United States that truly matters. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm an hour, an hour and a half north of the city on uh, in the Hudson Valley. Got it. Right by the Hudson River and. Um, very much in nature. It's a small town. It's not a suburb per se. It's kind of a vibrant little town, but it does it does have a lot of commuters, people working in the city or other places coming and going.
0: It sounds like one of the most beautiful spots in the world.
1: It is really beautiful besides um Lyme disease, which is um epidemic yeah. here.
0: Yeah. Pesky. Dang it. Hate that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, it's really terrible. It's a it's a awful disease, and I know we we all have, we all have um, different things going on uh-huh. in different part of the world. But um, this is and and Lyme is everywhere. But yeah. it's really uh, a lot of it uh, right where I live.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's dig into our conversation today. And Anna, um, before we got you on the line today, I read your bio, which is just a wonderful one. Um, but then I always ask the big question, which is this Who are you and what do you do?
1: Oh, uh, well, I'm a mom. Uh-huh. I'm a mom of three kids, uh-huh. um, three girls, a nine-year-old, seven year old, and a five-year-old. And uh I'm a filmmaker. Uh-huh a story a really a storyteller my my hope is to transform the way we see ourselves and the stories that we tell ourselves and each other because I, I really deeply believe that we are the stories that we tell yeah whether it's the big stories about democracy and freedom or the smaller stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and what um how we how we relate to each other yeah so one of my, my the big story that I'm trying to tell is uh, one that shifts us shifts us from blame and punishment, which is our current uh, stories in story in this culture, to one of uh, compassion and care.
0: I think that there is so much there to unpack, so yes. much there. Um, you know, starting with you know introducing yourself primarily as a mom. I can tell by the ages of your kids that you are in the meaty years you're doing it all it's a, you've got a lot going on with three girls, yeah,
1: yeah yeah, oh yeah no it's it's intense and and this might surprise you, and I know it'll, it'll surprise a lot of mom, but i I actually miss already missed a younger year so i'm I'm going through somewhat of a midlife crisis mixed with mourning. The younger years, mourning the the magic and the tenderness and the playfulness of having very little kids, mm-hmm. and dealing with a lot more conflict in our house, a lot of rivalry and a lot more, um, just a lot more demandingness and uh, complainingness and all of that stuff that feels like a very different. There's still a lot of of playfulness and 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 cuteness and cuddliness, but I definitely. I I I'm, I'm I missed uh, all
0: I would get from the the little ones. Yeah, yeah. Are you thinking about having a fourth?
1: No, I'm about to be 45, uh-huh. and um, my husband is definitely done. I probably would, you know, like I, but my, my husband is definitely done, and also, you know, three three is a lot. It's a lot. You know, yeah. I think yeah. yeah. I I hope I hope we foster at one point.
0: Um, I wanted to. To talk to you a little bit more about your bio, because your your career path has been really interesting to me. You were an attorney, a lawyer at one point, and then became a documentarian. And that's not a career story we often hear. I'd love to hear a little bit about it.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I think a lot of uh, people are attracted to the law because of the story uh, that it's. Um, that it opens a lot of doors, that it's like a passport to uh, influence. At least that's the story that I heard a lot, that you didn't go to law school to be a lawyer. And then people um, uh, confirmed that story by talking about all the people who are in the non for profit world and in business and in politics who went to law school, Um, which is just, you know, to say that a lot of people chose to leave the law versus, you know, that the law opens all these doors, but anyways, mm-hmm. um, so I went to law school because I was um, at heart, I'm a I'm a do gooder. I wanna I wanna affect change. I wanna contribute to um, uh, a better world, I guess. And so I I was kind of figuring out what my place was in it. I was working in the non for profit world right after college, but um, I that didn't feel like the right place for me. Um, so I thought. Well, I should get a degree that that opens up some opportunity for me, and the law was was one that um, was suggested. So I went to law school, and I I enjoy studying. So law school in itself was very interesting and intellectually stimulating, uh, and I met some great people. But um, the law itself was, you know, the practice of it was totally wrong for me, and I only practiced for one year, and and was very happy when when I, when that stopped. Um, and you know, interestingly, at the very end of law School, this woman came to show her movie that she had made about sex trade and uh sex I think sexual slavery is what she called it, um, in, in Eastern Europe. And this woman uh was a lawyer by training and she's talked about telling story and the importance of connecting emotionally versus just understanding the numbers and the facts and the statistics and the reason behind things. And she started an organization called Witness, you know, before we had cameras everywhere, she offered these small little cameras to people in, in, uh, around the world. And so that they could record the human rights abuse that was taking place in their community. And then Witness would take that footage and use it to, um, try to com- to try to sway the public opinion or the UN or, you know, kind of help affect change by bringing visibility to these issues. So this was before, right, like Facebook and, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. phone cameras and all sure. of that. So when I listened to her, man, I was vibrating, you know, and I think that one of the things that um, we don't teach children uh, and that many of us have learned to disconnect from is, is our – really our our, our sole response to what's what's going on you know it's kind of taking our inner temperature and yeah. as a as a filmmaker I've become very attuned to it because I learned to listen to the places where I'm responding with the assumptions that if I'm responding others will respond too and so when she spoke and when I watched this movie and then listened to to her speak I man I, my whole body was was you know uh vibrating with 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 yearning mm-hmm. for what she was doing and it took me a while to get there right like sometimes you know something is is calling you but you don't know how to get there yeah. and you don't know you don't have the faith or the trust in yourself the confidence or or any sense of what the pathway would look like to get there right. so that's what happened for me it took me a long time to to trust that I could be a storyteller myself that I could be um a creative professional right, mm-hmm. and um, and to do it and to start it. It took, it took a a path that actually started with telling, teaching young people to, to tell their stories before I was, uh, courageous enough to tell my own.
0: Hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. So how do you choose your documentary topics?
1: Well, I think they choose me. Um, my, this is my, so wrestling ghost, the movie that we're going to talk about. This is my third movie. My first one was called generation meds. And, um, uh, I made it at a, was uh, made it with a friend who's now, who's the main character in this documentary uh, about mental illness and really the stigma around mental illness. And um, I, I, I started talking to him when well, we were friends. We were both teaching young people uh, filmmaking. And um, I reached out to him one day when I was feeling really low and I, he, openly shared about his own bipolar disorder and I had never seen somebody so comfortable talking about mental illness and something just lifted off my shoulders mm-hmm. and you know and I then I said to him do you want to do you want to make a documentary together and he said yes I'd love to do a project with you and then something else happened I was like somebody wants to do something with me right mm-hmm. somebody trusts me and wants to embark on a pr- big project like that with me. So I felt really validated. And so something else lifted off my shoulder. And I, I feel like in this one conversation, I, I kind of got pulled out of my depression. And then we looked for subject. And the one that called us was this idea of looking at um, at um, the whole kind of muddiness of, of drug industries and, and, and psychotropic uh, drug uh, research. And <coughs> <laughs> and slowly, slowly, it became a documentary actually about the stigma about mental illness, which I think many of us have experienced in our own lives or with our families. Um, I grew up with mental illness in my family and I, I felt very burdened by uh, the shame and silence around it and so this documentary was really uh, about that about seeking some help for myself, having the courage to do that and um, and really just uh, recognizing that um, the silence is is uh, more more hurtful yeah. often than um, than the illness itself. That's so true. So it was my first project. And my second project came um, after reading a three-part article in The New Yorker about global warming. Um, and I have been aware of, of global warming uh, for a long time, but I had kind of chosen not to focus on it because it's such... Overwhelming information, and when I read this um, article, I was—I felt like, wow, you know, like I'm—I'm I'm just an ostrich. I'm part of—I'm part of the problem. Like, how can someone like me, who's so aware, so educated about the environmental crisis that we're facing, just be living as if life is, you know, just business as usual? Mm-hmm. And you know, I decided to figure that out. Like, what would make us do something about the problems that we're facing in the world? And uh, the response I came to was that um, the doom and gloom that we are, the, you know, the fear mongers mm-hmm. uh, media that we're living in, right? Like all the news outlets are just all driven by drama and fear mongering. And, um, and I figured that if we don't ever hear a story of hope, we don't ever hear um, uh, the, the stories of possibility, of alternative. We don't connect with the people who are doing or making changes. All we're being fed is, is the doom and the gloom. Yeah. And so I decided to make a documentary about hope and possibility, and about connecting to that. So that, you know, even if we can't stop the crisis, even if that's not really a possibility because it may not be, at least we can have meaningful, connected lives where we're not just um, choosing to disconnect basically out of out of fear. Yeah, so that was fresh, which is um, really, I think, a really a wonderful documentary. Still kind of doing his thing in the world. It's about sustainable agriculture. And now Wrestling Ghost came out of my own parenting experience. Um, so I started thinking about this documentary when my first one was one years old. So one and a half year old and she's nine and a half now. So eight years ago was really the genesis of, of this current documentary about uh, parenting and healing from childhood trauma.
0: Well, I've had the opportunity to see just bits and pieces of the film, but can you describe Wrestling Ghost to our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to see, you know, to see it and know what it's about yet?
1: Absolutely. Um, so, Wrestling Ghost is a very intimate portrait of one family, uh, and it focuses really um, mostly on the mom, Kim. And Kim is a young mom. She has two boys, and from the very beginning of the movie, she tells she tells us, the audience, that she cannot connect with her children. She does not enjoy their company, uh, but she really yearns to. She wishes she could be the mom that she hears talking about, like, oh, I can't wait to spend the day with my kid, or I yeah. just you know, enjoy my child so much, and she she does not. She does not enjoy her time with the children. She takes care of them, but and she loves them. She knows she loves them, but she can't. She has an incredible disconnection with her children. You can really see it at the beginning of the movie. She can't touch them. She can't. She's not soft around, you know, her young children. Mm-hmm. And her pain is really palpable. Um, and
0: she's aware. Kind of- she's aware that she's-, she's got a big problem.
1: Yes, yeah. and, 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 and her yearning is very <laughs> strong. So her pain is very strong and we can feel it. And I think this is like the first important moment in, in this movie that because we're all surrounded by kind of picture-perfect uh, Instagram expre- exp- expression of, of family life. Yeah. And very few of us are willing to share openly uh, our our difficulties. And what that creates, again, the same, same problem that I was just discussing about my first documentary is this isolation, this shame, yeah. this feeling that you're the only one who's struggling or suffering. And that makes things just worse. Um, so I think one of the the, the really beautiful kind of uh, experience of my documentary is that you're, you you feel right away that you're not alone. You might not share that specific struggle, but you certainly have your own as a person, as a human being, if it's not as a parent, because this is not just for parent. Um, I've had college students watch it, plenty of non-parent watch it. And you know, everybody one way or another seems to or most people seem to resonate uh with with Kim because we all suffer. <laughs> We're all stuck one way or another. So so this is the, the beginning of the movie. She just acknowledges that she's stuck and that she wants something very deeply in our heart, the way we all have this really beautiful yearning for ourselves and for our families. And then the rest of the movie is really following her on her journey to figure out how can she get there? How can she get unstuck? And the process of, of unpacking, of, of kind of peeling the layers to figure out what's preventing her from feeling this connection with her children is this kind of intense emotional journey that we get on with, with Kim and this journey, you know, there is a lot of talk therapy on Skype with uh, a coach who does, uh, in, it's not, doesn't say it in my movie, but it's called nonviolent communication, mm-hmm. which is you know, a mindfulness practice really that you can, uh, in communication, um, so she learns this principle and she starts to look at what's going on behind her disconnection and she has like coaching with her husband. They look at their couple relationship but she gets deeper into her depression. She understands that she needs to do something about it. So we kind of follow her as she kind of keeps peeling the layer and trying different things to try to to feel better. And we see her making some progress but ultimately she feels really stuck. And the turning point in the story is that she learns about childhood trauma and the way childhood trauma, which many of us imagine to be, you know, uh, very um, dramatic images of uh, trauma, the the neglected child in dirty clothing, uh, the the child that's been sexually or physically abused or insulted by a, a Really mean parent, and not that these things don't happen. Unfortunately, they do. But but trauma is is can be very uh, can be invisible, and the way our bodies uh, respond to trauma as children does not depend on its severity necessarily, or, or in its uh, dramatic aspect of it. Right, like I said, it can be very quite invisible. And so many of us, actually, a majority of us, have experienced the kind of stress in our childhood that has transformed our nervous system our hormonal system our immune system and even the expression of our genes the way basically our body's working and what that looks like is that throughout our lives we're going to experience um a lower set of set point of well-being you know L- lower set point of happiness but also more illnesses mm. so every single illnesses that that is um a major problem in this country from heart disease, uh, autoimmune disease, cancer, all of them correlate with childhood trauma with stress in your childhood. Mm. so for women, for instance, the chances of ending up in a hospitalized for autoimmune disease are twenty percent higher, twenty percent you know by a really significant number if you have uh, stress in your childhood. I forgot, you know, there is a, um, a very interesting test that I think all of your listeners uh, should look into because it's so interesting to take. It's 10 questions. It's called the ACEs, ACEs test. ACEs stand for adverse childhood experiences. And there's 10 categories, uh, emotional abuse, emotional neglect, physical abuse, physical neglect, sexual abuse, uh, a parent with mental illness, a parent with drug use, um, a parent being uh, abused in front of your eyes right like a parents uh, physically abusing the other parents mm-hmm. uh, incarceration <laughs> and separation or death divorce or death so very major categories that most of us have had you know at least one mm-hmm. and for each one for each additional experience that you may have your chances of having long term health effect you know keep rising um so as Kim learned about this really kind of uh, incredible impact of childhood on her physical body. She starts understanding that this um, straitjacket that she feels, right, this stuckness that she feels is not just, you know, in her head or some, you know, mental Problem develop because of her bad childhood. It's an actual physical straitjacket. It's a neurological and biological straitjacket that's, to a certain extent, preventing her from having the experiences that she yearns for: the connection, the playfulness, and keeps her stuck in a loop of you know repetition. And so that starts the second part, kind of like or the the ending of the movie, where she seeks out treatment that are very specifically. Targeted for healing the the impact of childhood trauma on her ner- on our nervous system. Um, yes, I think that that's uh, that's my summary of the
0: movie for you. So, you know, just backing up a little bit, um, it took you eight years to make this film. <clears throat> how how did you start on this path, and how did you find Kim and Matt? Tell me a little bit more about sure. that
1: so it didn't quite take me eight years, but I did start thinking about it year, eight years ago so when my my oldest was one and a half year old, I would find myself you know uh in in power power struggles with her all the time, like it would be wintertime, and I would you know want her to put her jacket before leaving the house and she's a really willful little girl and still a willful big girl, and she would not want to put her jacket on and I would force her and I would f- feel really beat up at the end of these you know few minutes of like forcing my child's arm into a jacket mm-hmm. and fighting her into a stroller or down the stairs and I just always felt like it would take me a while to to like kind of calm calm down and to be able to enjoy myself again after these you know mm-hmm. and I felt like there has to be a better way right like I have no skills I don't know what I'm doing so at that point more or less I reach out to a friend because I realized I really don't know anything about parenting. I don't know how anything about discipline. I don't even know what, what different approach to disciplining your child exists. So I asked her, I said, you know, what books do you recommend? And she gave me a few, including a very thin book. And so I started with that one. It was called um, Parenting from the Heart by Inbal Kashtan. And it was a book about using nonviolent communication, which is, like I said, a mindfulness practice in communication, uh, as As a way of parenting, and it really resonated with me because I had started uh, meditation practice a few years before that a few years before that and it it really helped me like nothing else had helped before i 've done you know a decade or so of uh, therapy different kind of therapies and i I never got i didn 't feel much transformation happening from that It was nice to go speak with someone, but I really didn 't feel like it it helped me. Deeply helped Mm -hmm. me. And meditation started really shifting things for me. Really, I felt like the kind of relief that I didn't know I could feel. So, when and being a do gooder, I loved the whole focus on compassion, on opening up your heart, on being a source of compassion in the world. Like, I like the philosophy behind the practice. So, the book was very much rooted in the same things, but it wasn't very practical. So I found myself thinking, okay, I, I love this stuff. I'd love to parent this way, but what does it look like? Mm-hmm. Like when my kid refuses to put her jacket on. So long story short, I reached out to the author. I wanted to know if we could do some coaching. She couldn't do it because she had cancer at that time and she passed since. Mm-hmm. That's why the movie is dedicated to mm-hmm. her. Um, but she recommended me, uh, her wife, to to coach. And uh, her wife is Kathy Simon, and uh, Kathy has been my 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 coach for since then for eight years now, on and off. I would I meet up with her, and it was the most transformative experience uh, in my relationship ever. I, I mean, a lot of it in retrospect, I'm like, how did I know not know that, right? Like, how can I, how, why did I need somebody to tell me these things? But the truth is that many of us we've we've never had any instruction on. On emotional well-being and communication, on how to what, on just even knowing what we feel and what we need, like those concepts are so, uh, uh, um, in they're they're missing from our from our culture, from our most of our experience as children, and from our education system. So why would I know these things, right? right? But so like you know, again with the example of the jacket, you know, Kathy said, well what are your needs there? And I said, well, I don't want her to get sick. She's like, okay, so that's your need. The jacket is a strategy. There's two different things. And I was like, oh, you know, like, duh, <laughs> and was, needs and strategy. Often we are stuck on strategy when, and that, you know, makes like very hard when you think there's only one strategy. When in fact, if you take a step back and you look at your needs and you'll realize there's multiple strategies available. You know, in this case, I could just go outside, allow my daughter to feel cold for like a minute or two, and then she'll ask for her jacket, right? Yeah. Or I could bring a cover and just, you know, wrap her up in the cover once she's in her stroller. Like there was additional strategy available, but all I needed was to start that differentiation. And then as we kept coaching, you know, I thought I was going to coaching to to learn how to teach my child. And I soon realized that parenting is really about me <laughs> and about how to parent myself yeah. and how to do this deep work of, right? Like, yep. like identifying yep. what's going on in my head, what stories I tell myself, what's, you know, like modeling. And I was not doing very good in modeling on many levels, right? Cause I had a lot of work to do. So she started helping me with, you know, in my relationship with my husband, what we were modeling there about our communication and then You know my inner relationship which was very and still is needing a lot of work you know a lot of very negative inner dialogue going on how do i how do i have a relationship with myself that is better so that i can model that for my child and once you know that modeling is the right is the key then then that that inner work becomes very you don't feel selfish Mm -hmm. or Mm self-indulgent for doing that work you feel very driven to do that work because you have most control over yourself, not over your loved ones, you know, so you need to do that work first. And
0: and as mothers, we always it's easier for us to do something for someone else than for ourselves, so sure, fine, we'll do the work for the kids.
1: (laughs) Yes, and so we're caretakers, and we put everybody's needs first, and that's what's demanded of us, so we we feel good when we do that. The problem is though, is that our most influential uh, capacity is really in, in how, how we live ourselves. And so, you know, we need to, to talk about this kind of, I call it, and I'm not, it doesn't come from me, but some people have called it kind of radical self-care because it's not about, you know, painting nails or a massage, but like really, you know, understanding our responsibility towards ourself self as being primordial and first. And so once we do that, then it, we take, we, we can see it as part of the ca- uh, caretaking you know, nature of, of our role to really care for ourselves. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to do, especially because those of us who have had childhood trauma, right? Like, again, like I like to call it stress in childhood because most of us don't relate to the word trauma, Mm -hmm. but stress, most of us who have had stressful childhood, we don't, we think we deserve it. We think we, we don't deserve the self-care. We don't deserve the goodness. Like we think we're, you know, we are responsible for the the pain that we've experienced, because as children, that's how we experience the world, right? And whatever bad happens, it must be because of me. And so often, we have to fake it, we have to kind of start walking that path of healing, even if we don't believe that we deserve it. And just to go really quickly back to like the, the backstory of the movie, what was super interesting to me is that process of like, first, I think I'm going to teach my kid, then I'm like, oh, I should really look at my relationship with my husband. Oops, I cannot need to look at my relationship with myself. Ooh, my childhood, right? Like peeling, peeling deeper, deeper. And I was curious to see, well, is this going to be true for other people too? Is this kind of a, is this a universal path or is this just me because of my own life story? That's my, you know, Mm -hmm. path. And so, when I started this documentary, that was really my question. Like, will other benefit as much as I did from this experience? And also like, how can we have this experience and share them? Because, you know, as a parent, you know, Jean, I'm yeah. sure, or Jeannie, sorry, that, you know, you can't just go walk to your friend, you know, your friend is parenting and you can be like, oh, you know, this reminds me, you're really stuck on a strategy here. Why don't you take a step back? What's your need? Like, you can't, you can't do no, that, really right? Like the people, or- <laughs> That conversation no, doesn't happen. Can't. No, you can't do that. And you can't talk about your own struggles, but it's hard to do that. It's hard to get vulnerable. And hopefully all of us who are parenting, we find one or two or three people that we feel comfortable to share our parenting struggles because it's so important to do so. But it's very hard. And so I also wanted to create a movie that opens up that door so that we can have these discussions. We can talk about our vulnerabilities and our suffering (coughs) and our parenting openly with each other instead of all of that being so taboo and so heavy and so difficult to do. Um, But that was really the backstory to start in the documentary. I started with three families, all of them in coaching, you know, all of them going through what it turns out to be all of them going through the same process of peeling the layers, starting to think, yeah, I'm going to teach my kids some new skills to figuring out that they needed to deal with their own inner stuff. But out of the three stories Kim was the one who was really willing to really uh, open the door completely to uh, to me with my camera, and to not you know keep certain things off uh, off limits in in filming. And so after a year of filming three families, I said to Kim, "Can we keep going?" I've decided that I would prefer to do the movie only about your family. And she said yes. And then we kept filming for another four years. And that's when we really went into the childhood trauma thing, that we really kind of, as we got deeper and deeper, it became obvious that um, coaching, nonviolent communication was wonderful, but there was something else that we needed to uncover. And that's how we, we went there.
0: So that was, I was curious what it was like to make the film, because you were essentially inside her coaching sessions. And yes, it yeah. was
1: very healing (laughs) because you know um you know to sit in on other people's uh therapy session is i mean i recommend it if you can if you can find a way to do it it's it's amazing because you get all the benefit without the hard work you know you get first of all as my movie does you get to realize wow like i i feel all of these things you know i'm very different from kim my life has been very different than hers and yet i i probably related to 90% of the stuff that she talked about in therapy, you mm-hmm. know, and all the advice she got was valid for my life, you know? So it was like, so it was amazing training and an amazing reminder that I wasn't alone. Um, so that was fantastic. I, I really, I really enjoyed sitting in, in all that therapy and there was a lot of couple therapy as well, right? It was, it was all kind of different therapy. I mean, you know, I shot for years and there was a, 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 a one and a half hour Coaching session every two weeks, so you know I probably have a hundred hour of coaching. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah, just just coaching. Yeah. Um, and then to be in her life, I think you know one of the thing that was important to me is that I was I was I was pregnant with a child while I was shooting, and then I had a child. Um, so the whole process for me needed to be slow so that I could focus on parenting mostly. Mm-hmm. And still have this project, but not, make, not be so obsessed with this project that it takes over my life. And so, you know, I was able to just, you know, spend years hanging out with this family, um, you know, on and off, you know, going to spend a morning with them, going to spend an afternoon, hanging out on the weekend, you know, just kind of just being part of their lives and filming every time I'm there um, without having to, to do it so much that it would take over my life or their life. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, I, you know, if I, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't enjoy yeah. them, but I, I, they're, they're a very interesting, fun, funny, charismatic yeah. family. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. They're, they're so charming. It
1: was, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're very, and very intelligent. Both uh, Kim and Matt are very emotionally intelligent, just intelligent people that are with a lot of sense of humor. And even during the very, difficult period you know during the 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 hardest period there was there was humor and there was uh, openness um, which I think makes it's hard to help people who are in denial or are um, blaming others for everything so when when people are are open to being helped and not in denial I think it's it's a very different experience and made it made it possible for me to be there it's
0: about intention you know when people really intend to make a dramatic change then that's what's probably going to happen you know right. and I think it I think that it's interesting you know the things that you learn about childhood trauma and the repeated patterns it creates and you know I think that repeating patterns and cycles is what excuse me most of parenting is about and but if we can be mindful about you know what we're doing and which patterns we're repeating you know from generations past or just from the week before and really kind of evaluate for ourselves what's working and what doesn't then we have opportunity to make things better and yeah sure
1: I guess with the caveat that sometime we can observe it, but we can't seem to change it because our nervous system is
0: wired. Is
1: on yeah. a, is, a, yeah. You know, so if you're, if you have not gotten really quite what you needed as a child, you know, if you're dysregulated, you know, or if you're not, um, if you weren't attached securely as a young child, for mm-hmm. instance, and you're, you know, you were under a lot of chronic stress, toxic stress in your childhood. Um, You you're gonna be overreacting or underreacting in 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 uh, in situations in different like depending on the person and the trigger a different situation but I guess once you're triggered once something happens that triggers your nervous system your flight or fight response you're not really in choice you're not really in control and I think that you need to that's why you need that support to release your nervous system so that you're your intentions and your control and your ability to be in choice and to make adjustment can happen. Mm -hmm. But to expect people who are, you know, nervous system are, are, going to be like in, you know, are dysregulated and are going into flight and fight mode constantly um, for sometimes very little triggers, right? Like for us, little triggers, but you know, for their nervous system, everything can be experienced as a, as a threat. So, you know, to expect, expect that person to be able to, uh, act intentionally in those moments. It's not, it's not realistic. And I think that's what we see a lot in schools. We see a lot of, you know, talking about the kids being bad kids and punishing them and taking away their recess and sending them to the principal because, you know, we've been talking to her about how this behavior is not acceptable and she can't do this, or he has to learn to, you know, and we're going to keep reinforcing that this is not acceptable when in fact that child is, um, is living with stress at home and is coming into school with like a, a an inability to learn because, you know, their, their brain is in flight and fight sure. mode and an inability to necessarily regulate their emotion or their behavior. And so they're doing the best they yeah. can.
0: They're you doing know, what's hardwired. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. And so what the schools are doing, the schools that are becoming trauma informed, um, and some of some of these schools are using my movie as a way to, to start this conversation with their teachers and their, their staff is to, to to create a safe space for these kids to be so that no matter what's going on at home, they can come to, to school and have a safe space and have like things that are soothing to their nervous system so that you can help them self-regulate. You can teach them how to self-regulate because instead of this punishment on <laughs> top of being already, you know, victims, yeah. you know, then we punish them on top of it.
0: It's just um, reinforced. So I think there's a yeah. lot
1: of, Yeah, it's a lot of changes happening and I think that's the same approach that's happening in the justice system instead of punishing people to try to look at um, restorative justice, you know, so that we can understand where people are coming from and see how can we do justice without adding, you know, um, more pain to already painful situations.
0: Well, let's, we we don't have a whole lot more time that we get to spend together today. And I want to shift gears to the healing program that is available on the um, Wrestling Ghosts website. And I'm wondering if you could just, you know, just do an overview for listeners about what that's about.
1: Yes. So I really wanted to figure out, you know, for people who have watched my movie or people who haven't, but who are interested, who are thinking, well, I'm pregnant and I'm about to have a child, and I already know that you know uh, I don't want to do things the way my my parents did, or um, parents who are struggling with their children, or again non-parents, but people who are feeling stuck. And 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 I was thinking, well, what what is the starting point? What are the basic information that you would need to know to to get started and i created this uh, series of slides in my healing program so it's on wrestlingghosts.com ghosts is plural wrestlingghostsplural.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um and it's the healing program and basically the first third of the slides are basically an overview of childhood trauma um What I can say is that when I read uh, Donna Jackson Nakazawa's book, Childhood Disrupted, uh, which is also, she's in my movie, and the book is mentioned on my website. When I read this book, it was like a puzzle came together for me. I understood my two back surgeries. I understood my uh, difficulty in relationships. I understood my depression, everything Everything shifted in my understanding of my of my life. Right, the story that I tell myself became a new story, and I had a new filter, and that filter was very, very, very helpful. And I think a lot of people experience that when they learn about childhood trauma. It just, it just, it, it makes everything more clear and takes away a lot of this self blame. that's really, this this feeling so down on ourselves. What's wrong with me? I'm broken you know, why can't I, like all Mm -hmm. this kind of really negative self-talk. So I really recommend for people to just read that book or read the first few slides on my website to learn about childhood trauma so they understand what's going on in their body, why they may be suffering from chronic pain, migraine, back pain, you know, uh, autoimmune disease, like all these things that so many of us are struggling with that we don't know, we don't realize are connected to our childhood. Doesn't have to be, right? It's not a straight, direct line, but very often is connected um, with a childhood so that's the first part and the second part is really an overview of all of the ways that have been researched that can help you heal and there's a lot there and a lot of it is 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 free you know because I realize that not all of us have the resources to start counseling and coaching you you know yeah (laughs) exactly so a lot of it yeah what I want people to realize I think is like under this umbrella of radical self-care is that the same way your nervous system was dysregulated and you your flight or fight response might no longer be working in a way that benefits you but is might be hurting you now. There are ways to regulate, to calm, to heal your nervous system and to bring about positive change. Your brain is still evolving every day. You can still right. change it. And you know, the categories are are, you know, like in the radical self-care, there's um, nutrition, rest. Uh, movement and uh, meditation. Uh, meditation is one of the most studied uh, uh, healing methods for for mm-hmm. in that, you know that's been studied for so mm-hmm. many levels for for health, for mental well being, for relationship. I mean, meditation is is amazing, but you know it can be very hard for some people. and might not be the thing for you for now, but all these categories from being outside, from moving your body. Uh, how you nourish yourself uh, and and rest, like really getting enough rest in your life. Those are all very important. And relations, like, you know, your community, connections, who who do you have that you can, you know, because we were hurt in relationships, so we heal in relationship. So I kind of go over each one of these and I give example and I, I, I give a framework so that you can work within that. And you don't have to do them all, right? Like the idea is to pick a couple and to start something and to figure out ways to keep yourself, you know, because we all make these resolutions and then we can't stick to them. And uh, my hope is that this is not yet another thing that you can fail at, but that wow. it really gives you a new framework that actually you can start doing and feeling yeah. good about because every little change kind of sends yourself the message, <clears throat> sends your brain the message that you deserve it and that you can be better. And that in itself is healing. And then of course I go over all the therapeutic um, Modalities that are available that are trauma informed. So many of us have spent years in therapy. And for many of us, that's actually re traumatizing, talking about it, sharing the memory, reliving over and it over and over. And over, and over yeah. Right. Makes yeah. it worse. And if you have complex trauma, you know, maybe uh, attunement trauma where somebody wasn't there for you, but you don't have any scars, right, to speak of, it's also very hard to address that in talk therapy. So talk therapy can be very helpful, but it's especially helpful if the the, the therapist is trauma-informed, and it's also talking about, you know, modalities that are not, you know, well-known by most of us, like EMDR Mm -hmm. therapy and uh, tapping, which is Mm -hmm. in my movie, EFT, emotional freedom therapy, and um, there's so many new ones that are, you know, somatic-based, you know, therapies. Um, I just started uh, learning about havening, which is, you know, also kind of a soothing of your nervous system kind of therapy, and so, you know, uh, I talk about yoga nidra and other things. So there's there's so many different things out there, and I just try to give the reader a few examples of the kind of therapy that can that can they can seek out that is really meant to soothe your nervous mm-hmm. system, um, versus you know a therapy that are specifically about like dealing with your migraine right. or you know whatever. This is really about soothing the, the nervous system, going and, below the symptoms and healing the down damage. to the root. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's a really good place to start. And on my website, you can also find the movie so you can watch it or organize a screening. And because I think it, it's a very, uh, it's a very good place to start because it's a very, it's a, it's a hard subject. But the documentary itself is very hopeful and inspiring. Yeah. So you're not going to be left feeling depressed, you're going to be left feeling like, I can do this. Yeah, good. You know? I don't want and, and I want, and I want.
0: I to don't do want to give anything <laughs> away, but just give us a little hint. Kim and Matt, they're okay. They're family.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so you know this. Don't uh, give anything um, away. Everybody, wants, you know. <laughs> No, no, I, I don't think you know. The, it's really about the process. So even if you know all the details of the story, the movie, you, you, you know, it's, it's still its own experience. But everybody after the movie, we've had screenings where Kim and Matt are are uh, doing Q and A after the movie, and and um, the first question always from the audience, either for me or for Kim and Matt, is always, "How are they doing?" Right? Like everybody Everyone's wants invested. to know. And you know, the, yeah, the, and and you know, the really the, the most honest answer people get. Can get is well. They're still on the path, you know. They're still yeah. working, and there are good days and there are hard days. And you know, both of them are still trying different things and going to different therapies. And the kids also are in therapy, right? And they're like, there. There's a lot of connection. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of um, moments of joy. And they're still, they're still yeah. struggling, you know. And and I think that I, sounds I, like life. I am I might be wrong, right? But it's it's pretty yeah. much true for my yeah. life too. <laughs> so.
0: Well, we've got to wrap things up today, but I really want to make sure, sure that our listeners know where they can find out more information. So you mentioned it earlier, wrestling ghosts, plural, and that's wrestling ghosts.
1: Yes. Wrestling okay, Yep. That's it. That's on my website. And if you Google, you know, wrestling ghost, uh, my website will come up uh, uh, early on or wrestling ghost documentary. So you should be able to find us. We're on, Twitter and Facebook, especially Facebook. If you like us on Facebook, you'll hear about screenings and uh, coupons. Right now the movie can be rented for $15. Um, there is a coupon available for uh 40%, so it brings it down to 40 uh to nine dollar and it's wrestling go- WG 40 discount. And you know, I can share that code with you. You can share it on your um social media, but um at some point, we're gonna we're gonna provide more codes, and we're thinking also of moving the movie all together to a donation mm-hmm. platform, so that everybody can w- uh, watch it for a donation instead of fifteen dollar. Uh, I'm trying to make this sustainable sure. economically sure. for me, but I also want everybody to be having access to it. So right now, we're considering uh, that move to a donation platform. So it could be that shortly, uh, if you if you can't afford the fifteen dollar right yeah. now or the nine dollar, that uh, soon it will be available for. For as little as one dollar. Yeah.
0: So our last two questions are um the next are, are uh, I'm tripping over my own tongue here. How would uh-huh. you fill in the blank on this statement? Nobody ever told me that. Nobody,
1: never nobody ever told me that. Oh, I don't like these games. I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody ever told me that.
0: Um Oh, uh, okay. try another one. All right, one. I'm going to give you a know. pass on that one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'll thank you for okay. Our last question then is this. Where are you in the world of motherhood? You can answer that any way you like.
1: Where am I world in the world of motherhood? The world. I'm sorry, I did. The world. World, the world. The world of motherhood. Where am I? Um I am in the- Whatever your experience is it's 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 okay it's your experience no oh, judgment like no judgment I like that. that
0: I like that a lot that's a good answer well Anna it has been a real pleasure to talk to you and I'm really glad we had this opportunity to talk not only more about you know mental health and its relationship to parenting and motherhood but also about healing you know I think that that's I think you're right focus on the on the possibilities. Yeah. So thank you. I think you and I will probably thank be you, talking again down the road.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Okay.
0: We'll talk again. Bye bye.
1: Yeah. Bye bye.
0: That's it for this week, folks. You can learn more about Ana Joannis at wrestlingghosts.com. You can learn more about me at genefaulkner.com. Go pick up a copy of the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, wherever books are sold. And please share this podcast, the book, and my website with all your peoples. Let's spread this conversation around, shall we? I'm over on Facebook at Common Sense Pregnancy Parenting and Politics. I'm on Instagram at Common Sense Pregnancy and on Twitter at Jean Faulkner. Send me your letters at Jean at JeanFaulkner.com. And we just might answer it on the pod. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk again next week. If you're looking for easy ways to feed your family, I've got you covered. Hi, this is Liz Weiss, dietitian, mom, cookbook author, and host of the Liz's Healthy Table podcast. Tune in for healthy recipes, expert advice, and a big helping of fun. Come find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the Parents on Demand Network, or over at my website, Liz'sHealthyTable.com.